0: episode 81, here we go. Today, my guest is Kate Northrop. She's an entrepreneur, best-selling author, and a mother. She's discovered that her on-purpose work and dream is to support ambitious, motivated, and successful women like you to light up the world without burning yourself out in the process. Her latest book, Do Less, a revolutionary approach to time management for busy mums is an incredible read and in our conversation we dive into the concepts and ideas that are presented in this book and I have no doubt that you will have some amazing insights to take away with you from our chat today and if you do enjoy our conversation you can head over to katenorthrup.com and pre-order a copy of the book. It's something I highly recommend. I'm ready to read it again in fact. But without further ado, let's dive into the conversation. Good morning, Kate. Thank you so much for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. Yeah, it's a real pleasure. I'm very excited to chat to you today because we are going to be talking about your latest book, Do Less, A Revolutionary Approach to Time Management for Busy Mums," which is phenomenal, by the way. Thank and I you. thought <laughs> before we jump into the conversation, I thought maybe you could tell the listeners a little bit about where the do-less approach started for you.
1: Yeah, the do-less approach really started for me when I got pregnant with my first daughter and for the first time really since I had become an adult. Well, really ever <laughs> since <laughs> I started working. I just couldn't work the way I used to because I was so exhausted. And then during that first year of motherhood, um, I had... A lot of challenges, as many women do or parents do in that first year or and really beyond. Um, I had I had a traumatic birth experience. Our daughter was sick. Um, she struggled with severe eczema. You know, up every ten minutes at night screaming. I mean, there were just moments that absolutely brought me to my knees. And I know that I am not alone in that. I've heard so many stories of of parents, and so. In our case, we did not have any um, maternity leave or paternity leave to land land on. Um, No one else was paying our health insurance or paying our rent or anything like that. So my husband and I really had to figure out how can we keep our uh, revenue, how can we keep making the same amount of income with a significantly decreased number of hours in the week, to work and a significantly decreased amount of energy to give to our business. Um, And so the Do Less Way came out of a massive contraction in our time and energy and needing to get the same results, if not better.
0: Mm. How did that feel for you on a personal level? Did you feel that not being able to dedicate that same amount of time towards your business made you feel less worthy or anything associated with that kind of self-worth?
1: It wasn't really a self-worth thing for me, though I have heard it is commonly for many, many of my friends and the women I work with. In my situation, I already had an established business and then I had a kid. But I will, f- I will say that it is an incredibly common thing that mothers suddenly have this identity shift and a real moment of, well, what is my value when all of a sudden, the things I'm doing to take up my time are no longer valued in society monetarily. And I do believe that parenting and taking care of children, whether you're a parent or or a teacher, is, is some of the most valuable work we can do. And unfortunately, it is super undervalued. and it's And in many cases, it's unpaid work, which I do believe we need to shift how we take care of families so that we can support them while they're supporting the next generation. But for me, it was personally it was this feeling of i i really was having trouble with the pace of motherhood mm. like i really struggled with how small my life got all of a sudden
0: i'm not a parent myself but i am surrounded by children in my life you know whether it's friends or my nephew and i everything that you speak about i often hear you know and i and i see it happening and Oh gosh, I take my hat off to every parent that is a working parent as well, because I just think you guys are incredible. Like, I think you are the true super women or super men that are, you know, raising kids and still managing to do what you love in some capacity. And sometimes I know that that's stripped away like you, like you were talking about. So then what was the next step for you? You've, you've realized that this isn't ideal, this situation is not working for me. So I know you talk about this in the book about how you decided to look at the 20% of your business and the things that you could do that was working. Could you maybe talk a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, so we really had to look look at and this is this is something that everybody who runs a business or it works within a company needs to be doing on a probably a quarterly basis reassessing okay what are the activities that are taking up our time and are they getting results and which activities are leading to the biggest results and which activities are not leading to results. Because we can get so caught up in thinking that busy is valuable. That if we're busy, we're doing something. But oftentimes, the work we're doing isn't actually getting us results. For example, in our company recently, um, we realized that due to the way that uh, social media algorithms have shifted, some of the things we were doing were getting zero engagement. And they took time and energy and resources on the part of our team. So we just decided to stop doing them <laughs> because they just didn't work. And and it gave us back all this time and energy. And but, but if we stay swept up in just constantly doing, we miss the analysis required to say, well, is this working? Is this not working? For me, my 20% always comes back to creating content and creating connections. So creating content and connecting with people are my top priority all the time. And if something is an opportunity that seems shiny, but doesn't allow me to create content to uplift female entrepreneurs or to connect with somebody in a way that's going to help me uplift female entrepreneurs, then I say no to it.
0: Yeah, beautiful. You touched on productivity and that we're constantly being busy. And in the book, there was this beautiful, beautiful quote that you said, the world doesn't need you busy. The world needs you here and it's enough. That resonated so much with me. And I thought it was such a beautiful, beautiful quote. And I know for possibly some of our listeners right now, they're thinking, okay, well, I like the sound of this, Kate, but I have a really long to-do list and how am I supposed to approach my day when I have so much to get through? What would you say to that?
1: You know, I really, really, I I understand the feeling of having so much to do. I feel it Most days as well, (laughs) (laughs) because I have a three and a half year old, I have a 10 month old, we run a a company and, you know, of course I have other responsibilities to my parents and friends and community and, um, and to the planet. And so it feels like a lot Mm. most of the time. And what I recommend is to entertain the possibility that some of it actually doesn't need to get done And to remind ourselves on a regular basis that the point of life is not to get things done. I think there's this illusion that we're on, you know, it's like we're on this hamster wheel chasing the carrot of that someday, if we get enough done, then we'll be able to breathe. Mm. Then we'll be able to do the things that matter to us. Then we'll be present with our kids. You know, then we'll start to enjoy life once we get enough done. But there's always going to be... Another list of to-dos when you finish the to-dos that are on your list right now. So if you're not going to claim the space now, you're never going to have the space. And so the the book really walks you through these 14 experiments that can help you take things off your plate. In very practical ways, like asking for help, like receiving the help that's available to you, like letting letting go of the badge of honor of busyness, and just admitting that you can't do it all. <laughs> None of us can. <laughs> um, and so there's you know there's there's some things that you can practically do, um, but it is I, I get it. I just I just want people to know. I'm still practicing this. And a lot of days, I'm still like, oh my gosh, I have so much to do. And then I come back to, okay, but what really on this list is going to get me the results that I want and what really actually has to happen? And so I ask myself the following three questions about each item on my to-do list before it even makes it on the to-do list. Number one, does this actually need to be done? So let's say recently, for example, it was Valentine's Day and uh and our my girls have a little Valentine's Day party at their at their school mm-hmm. and you're supposed to bring in valentines for all the kids for all we got a little list and so you know in my head of course I might have had like go to the store and get these get the valentines and sit down and do the thing and make sure they're all you know they're labeled for the right person and whatever and I was like you know what I just don't have the bandwidth so that was an example of of does this need to be done well yeah i don't want my girls to show up without valentine's so we just kept it really simple i had this brown paper i cut out 12 hearts and i had penelope put stickers on them And i was like great that saved me a trip to the store and it ended up being a sweet activity with my girls. so so the questions are does this need to be done if it does does this need to be done by me? So if I had been really massively at capacity that week, I might've asked my husband to take care of the Valentines. I might've asked my mom to help me with the Valentines. I might've just called into school and said, this is not going to happen this week. Sorry. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And then, <laughs> and then the last question is, um, if it does need to happen... And if it does need to be done by you, then the third question is, does this need to be done right now? Because what I have found is many people use their to-do list like a place to store all of their ideas. Mm. And that is a recipe for massive overwhelm. Mm. So if you have an idea, don't put it on your to-do list for this week. That's going to make you feel like you're always failing because you're never going to be Done with the list. Instead, you need to have an idea jar. For example, where you where you have a slip of paper and you put your ideas. Or I keep my ideas in an Evernote um, in an Evernote file, and then I can revisit them at a later date. But I know what I need to do this week, and things don't go on my list that don't need to happen this week.
0: Yes, that's so true. And so for myself, I I'm not. I don't really procrastinate. I don't necessarily have an issue in approaching my tasks. That's not something that really is problematic for me. Yeah. However, what I noticed in my experience was that in the last couple of weeks, there was like this undercurrent of resentment. And mm-hmm. and as I was reading the book, it just brought it to my attention, you know, because there was things on my list and I was crossing them off, but And then there were some things on there that didn't have to be done by me. and But the fact that they were being done by me and I was the one that was having to do them, I was starting to resent it. And then that energy is what I'm bringing into everything that I'm doing as well. Totally. Uh, And you had the example in your book about, I think it was the peppers. Was that the, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) you had an argument with your husband about the peppers. And I thought, this is exactly the same thing, except, you know, I'm not having an argument yet. (laughs) Uh, And so I just, I caught it there. I was like, okay, really does this thing need to be done right now or these other things, or can they, someone else do them? And that in itself, it's such a small thing. And I, I want our listeners to know that it can be just as simple as that. Just recognizing, you know what, this doesn't have to be done today. It doesn't have to be done by me. And I can do this next week. And it creates that space in our minds for then us to do what we have in front of us. But then also I think creativity, you know, because creativity needs that space.
1: It does need that space. And when we overbook ourselves and put too many projects or too many promotions too close to each other. And we don't honor um, the four phases that a project needs, which I talk about in the book as the upward cycle of success. There's the emergence phase, which is like the energy of springtime, new beginnings. There's the visibility stage, which is the energy of summertime, um, like full bloom there is... And connecting and launching. There's the energy of the culmination phase, which is wrapping things up and completing things and going inward. And then there's the energy of the fertile void, which is the pause. It's like the energy of winter. And each project has these four phases and needs to have these four phases in order to be as successful as possible and in order for you to not burn out. But what we often do as entrepreneurs is we move right from emergence to visibility, back to emergence, back to visibility back to emergence, back to visibility. And we never honor the culmination phase and the fertile void. And over time, our work actually suffers because our ideas become shallow. Like our work actually just isn't that good anymore. And then also our bodies suffer and and over time your business will suffer. And so that's such a key thing is giving yourself that spaciousness for for the creativity and not... Overbooking yourself with projects back to back and trying to squeeze things in because just because you do have the capacity, if you're utilizing all of your capacity just to get out the deliverables for your current projects, you have no space for for kind of like the miracles, for the creative ideas, for the innovation um, when your bandwidth is being completely eaten up by just the day to day.
0: Yeah, I totally agree and I think that was a a great focus in your book about talking about the different cycles of the project and then also the feminine cycles and it's funny, I know you joke about in the beginning of the book, you know, with your mum talking about these cycles to you but you're not really being particularly interested in the beginning part of your life with them and... It's not something for me that's been a huge part of it and I'm very open to it, but it's not something I guess that I focused on. But the way that you've talked about it in this book, it totally makes sense. You know, nature has seasons, everything goes through a cycle and yet it's like our society has geared us up to just go, go, go all the time. And I think anyone that does pick up the book is going to probably be able to take a deep breath and go, oh, okay, (laughs) you know, And, and I think your cycles will really help them to just slow down a little bit and then approach their tasks in a completely different manner.
1: Absolutely, and the thing that I want to say too is that you know I'm an I'm an incredibly ambitious woman. I, I, I you sound like an incredibly ambitious woman. We do want big things and we want results. So I also want to say that slowing down does not and, and having more space does not mean that you are going to jeopardize your results. In fact, I've found that when I slow down and I allow for more space. My ideas get better, and our results get better because we can we can best execute with the bandwidth instead of being operating like at max capacity or beyond it. When when that happens, people start really dropping the ball and uh, doing sloppy work.
0: Would you say as well that it's also comes back to when we have slowed down, we're more connected to ourselves. So then that the actions that we're taking or the ideas that we are acting on that they're they're more authentic to you know, our business or our life rather than maybe scrambling at whatever we think with our logical mind. I, I think that's exactly,
1: exactly correct. Like when you give yourself the space, you can act on more of the, the truth or the wisdom that's coming in from your soul as opposed to just you know kind of like taping together the latest strategy that you heard on a webinar, which by the way, there's nothing wrong with the strategies <laughs> you've heard on the webinars. But I'm just saying like there's a way that we each can bring our special sauce to the marketplace and to our, our life's work. And you're not going to be able to tune into that if you're just rushing all the time.
0: Yeah, totally. So can we talk a little bit about sleep and our Mm -hmm. personal energy? Because I feel like this is a huge one and I would love you to share on it. I have a funny story that I can share with you as well because it relates to your book during this time. But what would you like people to know about the importance of sleep, even amongst all the things that we need to do? Oh my gosh. I it's just for me, you know, I I have a chapter in
1: the book called Make Sleep Your Spiritual Practice. Because to me, for years, people would ask me, you know, what's your spiritual practice? And I was like, honestly, it's sleeping. <laughs> I mean, if I am not well rested, I am not functional. Mm. Now listen, I've had two small children. I I still have two small children. Sleep <laughs> is like hard to come by. And so if you're listening to me and you're like, well. You don't understand. I I don't have the option to get sleep. I I so a hundred million percent get it. My baby got up twice in the night last night. Both girls were up at five a.m. Um, it's a lot. However, <laughs> I still prioritize it because when we have not slept, it's as though we are showing up to do our work high or drunk. I mean our. Our IQ goes down. We are far, far, far less effective. Our brain can't do its repair work. It's actually a major health um, issue if you're not sleeping. And your, your brain does, just doesn't function. And so we think like, oh, by cutting out sleep, that we'll get more done. But actually, it's the opposite because you slow down when you are sleep deprived. And you'll make mistakes and then you'll have to go back and redo the work. And then again, your creativity suffers and you're not as innovative. And what you've
0: shared there as well, like for our listeners, these are scientific factors, not something that, you know, I'm sure it's personal experience. I know it's personal experience for me, but you know, the fact that showing up like drunk, certain a lack of sleep that actually gives that effect on the body. So... We're not making stuff up
1: <laughs> it's No, no. I mean the data the data is kind of astounding, actually. I have to say, like it's it's really um, you know, a lot of people think like sleep is a waste of time, but it's actually one of the best uses of your time from a from a miraculous passive, kind of passive results standpoint. Like if you really want to do less and have more. Um, sleep because your body does all this stuff for you that then you don't actually have to do like you know growing muscles and repairing your cells and integrating new information and and organizing your long term memory. I mean, it's so cool.
0: Yeah, totally. I will share with you my story. Yeah, so I want to hear it. I received your book, so I started your book probably a few weeks ago, and I only had a chance to kind of. To make a dent into it. But on the particular day that your Haley sent it to me, I was so tired that day. One of those days where like my eye, I couldn't keep my eyelids open and I had so much to do. And I'm just like, I, I can't function right now. And so I thought, you know what, I'm just going to lie down on the floor just for a second and I I opened your book and I started reading the book and you were talking about productivity or something like that Uh and I was hearing it but I was like but Monica you've still got so much to do and Uh so I thought I, I couldn't even keep my eyes open to keep reading. So I closed my laptop. I don't even know why I was on the floor. I was really tired. Yeah. <laughs> so i just put my head on my arms. I'm like, I'm, I'm just going to close my eyes for five minutes. And I was so uncomfortable and I thought, I just need a pillow. I could have got up and laid down on my bed, but you know how when you're really tired, sometimes yes. you just make impractical choices. And then eventually I got myself a pillow and I just lay on the floor and I closed my eyes and I could have dropped into the most deepest sleep, but my mind was racing and I was saying, but you've got so much to do. And I had this guilt that I was carrying into this sleep. So I didn't really allow myself to go there when I know yeah. that if I did, I probably would have had that sleep because it was towards the afternoon, and you know how you think, yeah. oh, I don't want to wreck my sleeping pattern. And I know that if I had just allowed myself into that sleep, I probably would have woken up a lot more rested. And look, yeah. the the strange sleep that I did have did help. But um, <laughs> your book was like this little reminder, going, "Hey, you need to take a rest," yeah. and I, and for me, and I'm sure our listeners, and maybe you've experienced this yourself, is the justification and the judgment of like, but why are you tired? You shouldn't be tired. You've got all this stuff to do. Like there's that commentary that constantly kind of gnaws at you. Yeah. But it, I think what your book really beautifully reminds us is that if your body's saying that, it's saying it for a reason, you know, and it's time to... Yeah,
1: your out. body's not trying to sabotage you. Yeah. <laughs> You know, I mean, your body is not trying to take you out of the game. Your body is trying to serve you and give you the message. And when you listen, I mean, I have to. I, I have a a mantra which is body first, business second. And I have to remind myself daily because we have all been programmed to sacrifice ourselves on the altar of this alleged productivity. But the truth is. When you work past the point of it not working for your body anymore, you're not productive. You're just busy. Mm. and The two are very, very different things. So body first, business second. For me this morning, that meant on the way home from dropping my girls off at daycare, I stopped to take a walk in the woods for 30 minutes. I had a ton to do today. My husband is away. We're in crunch time for the book. We're in the middle of a big promotion. You know, I'm solo parenting all of that and yet I just I have to remind myself every day, body first, business second because I don't want to get to the end of my life and have all these work days where I've sat at my desk, you know, for 8 or 9 hours and haven't enjoyed myself because Nobody on their deathbed is regretting having not worked more.
0: Mm. Yeah, and and you do talk about that in the book with um, Bronnie Ware's yeah. book as well. And I think when we can look at our lives in that way, just and put it into perspective. And and I think it's part of the human nature that we're not always going to be thinking about the end of our life. We're thinking about what's going on now. But to just stop and go, okay. On my deathbed, is this really going to matter? It kind of takes right. the pressure off a little bit.
1: Yes, it is so good to remember that. Um, I actually follow an Instagram account called "You're Going You're You're Going to Die," <laughs> <laughs> Which really
0: awful. Do we, we need to have it's, a chat, Kate? <laughs> yeah, it's
1: these inspirational quotes that really remind us of making the most of our time here. Um, so you may or may not want to check it out. (laughs) (laughs) I will definitely go and have a look.
0: (laughs) Uh, Okay. So now your book can be, is available currently for pre-order. And if people head over to your website, katenorthrup.com, they can also receive some fabulous bonuses. Did you want to share a little bit about what they can get? I would love
1: to. So yeah. You will get a workshop about how to set boundaries and say no. So if you are a people pleaser, that one's going to be really awesome for you. You'll also get a workshop about applying the 80-20 rule to your own career life. So... So this has been a huge eye-opener for a lot of women in our community. And then you'll get an intimate interview with Latham Thomas, founder of Mama Glow and um, celebrity maternity lifestyle expert. And then also one with Dr. Shafali Sabari, um, who wrote Conscious Parenting and The Awakened Family. And then your seat will be reserved for free in a course that I'm teaching this summer, which takes the work of do less and um, goes deeper into applying it into your life in practical ways. So that'll be a guided experience um, in the summertime. Well, I guess for Australians, it'll be in the wintertime. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. those will all be free for you when you pre-order the book at KateNorth.com forward slash pre-order.
0: Amazing. Now, before we wrap up our interview, I ask my guests some signature questions. So, the first question is sunset or sunrise and why? Sunrise. I am such a morning
1: person and I just love how hopeful the sunrise makes me feel about Beautiful. the possibilities for the day.
0: Yeah, awesome. And if you could attempt another career, what would you love to try?
1: Well, I have uh, dreams of being a, a real estate tycoon. Oh, I, <laughs> love,
0: I love like home
1: transformation. I love real estate. I love thinking about you know, the way human psychology uh, is part of real estate, the way neighborhoods shift. I just, I love all, everything real estate. Oh.
0: I understand. I love. I think <laughs> mine is probably more around the, um, you know, the renovation side and the design yeah. and all that kind of stuff as well. But yes, I, I I'm with you there. <laughs> okay. And the final question is: What does being your best look like to you?
1: Being my best looks like being present, doing what it is that I am doing, or being with the people I am being with. I am my best when I'm fully there.
0: Mm, beautiful well Kate that wraps up our interview and I've loved chatting with you and listeners please do go check out Kate's book and I will include all the links in the show notes for everyone to check them out but thanks again Kate it's been a real pleasure thank you